One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. All right, it is always, always a pleasure for me and Alice to actually, it's interesting, in our household, in our lives, the life of Bethany Mandel is actually something that we, it's part of our week, just to talk about what (laughs) Bethany's up to, whether or not it's the uh, Heroes of Liberty book series, which which is for kids, talks talks about Americans who are to be um, learned about, who are to be lauded, who are to be um, emulated. There's very little, I noticed in the Heroes of Liberty uh, book series, there's very little talk of bottom surgeries or gender journeys, Bethany, which is very disappointing, but I'm just Yeah, gonna... there's, a, there's a lot about the top surgeries, though, so we all <laughs> even it out. Thankfully. But now you've done it, Bethany. You've gone there. Bethany Mandel and Carol Markowitz have written a book called Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. Let me just ask you, Bethany, and I love that you're like this, but why do it to yourself? You were asking for so much trouble. Trying to get myself even. There we go. Um, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment. And so I decided, like, what, you know, I'm not sleeping. So what could I be doing with my time? Oh, let's just write a book that will make me the enemy of the state. <laughs> right, exactly. And so Half of- what you're referring to, I think, is Tom and I are falling way behind in the um competition of how many kids to have we're only at four right now so we're gonna have oh, to man. do something. i have 50 percent more i know i know we're falling behind tom we have to do something about that i know i i, I do what i'm told Alice. okay so it's, it's, okay just so <laughs> so but you did take it on yourself on top of all that to write this book and it wasn't actually easy it sounds like to get this book published either it was uh quite a process it sounds like from the new york post article i was reading so why didn't people want to publish this book yeah so it's so nice to have this story out there because it's been sort of my life for the last year and a half so it's nice to finally be public with like sort of what happened but uh, my co-author carol markwitz and i wanted to write a book together for a long time and, you know, post COVID, we realized, you know, there is this all fronts war on our children um, f- from schools, from, you know, even at the local zoo, there's all of this climate change alarmism. Like it's just you just it's inescapable uh, at the pediatrician's office. If your kid is having mental health concerns and you have to find a therapist who isn't going to try to convince them that the root of all of their insecurities or unhappiness is actually gender confusion. So we saw this problem and we wrote uh, we wrote a book proposal and we went to our agent and he said, this is awesome. And he like really tweaked it and made it amazing. And we went to auction and we had several different conservative imprints at publishers interested. We had lots of meetings and everyone agreed universally, this is gonna be gangbusters between you and Carol's connections. Like you're gonna be all over Fox and we are going to be all over Fox. <laughs> all of that was true. Um, you know, you're going to be all over Fox. You're going to be able to promote the heck out of this. Everyone is concerned about this right now. Um, this is really going to be pay dirt. And then when the foot hit the, what is that foot hit the pedal, whatever mm-hmm. that saying is, mm-hmm. um, they, we were, pu- we were pushing it at the same time that um, Abigail Schreier's book, 
was sort of, you know, getting pulled off of Target's website. Uh, they weren't able to do the Amazon ads. And and all of the cons- all of these conservative publishers were like, oh, I don't know if we want to go all in on this topic right now. Maybe like maybe if you were Tucker Carlson, this would be different. But so they all pulled out on day of auction and it went from like this exciting, like huh. we're going to auction to like we have zero buyers. Uh. Um and one editor who we really got along with and really liked a lot said, um, the fight message is a problem and the transgender chapter is a problem. And we were like, well, that's the whole, that's not just the whole book, but that's our entire personalities. Like we can't tell parents not to fight. That's not even a book we would want to read, let alone All this write. is happening, but just, if you just go along with it nicely, it'll be, my, <laughs> it'll go great. Yeah, like, basically, I mean, she wanted us to write a book, and I, I mean, I don't think that there's not a book there, but she wanted to, us to write a book, How to Raise Your Children in This Bubble of Craziness to Be Resilient, Happy, you know, not even necessarily conservative, but just resilient and happy and, and not sort of all in on this ideology. And I think, I mean, I think that there's a book there or at least an article, Mm -hmm. but for me and Carol, we cannot write that book without like you fight like hell. You you have to fight. And I think this is so interesting because in a big way, like you do homeschool your kids, you do kind of raise your kids in a bubble without being impacted by a lot of this stuff. And it's funny because when I love following you on Twitter because every time you bring up anything to do with like schools or indoctrination or the schools being closed for COVID or any of these topics, you immediately got an onslaught of people who go, well, you don't even send your kids to schools. You don't even get to say anything about this. Don't you dare talk about this topic. Right. And and like you say, that's not your personality. Why is it so important to you to fight back against this when, you know, as you say, like you've made the conscious decision not to expose yeah. your children to this ideology. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's really funny who pe- people who say like, you're not allowed to talk about <laughs> schools because you don't send your kids to school. I'm like, why do you think that I have made this not very easy life decision? Right. Because the schools are that bad. Yeah. Like, this is a very conscious decision on my part. I'm, I I am putting where my, my money where my mouth is. I'm not working full time. I'm not, I'm, to be frank, like not achieving my full professional potential mm-hmm. because I've decided to prioritize my children's education instead. And so, I mean, people are sort of bolstering my point when they point out that I'm homeschooled, when I'm, that, that I'm homeschooling. Uh, but I wasn't homeschooled. I was a public school kid mm-hmm. and I grew up in a single mom household that was not healthy necessarily. And if I had been growing up now, I wrote about this in a spectator piece about our book. I don't know where I would be. I was such a tomboy and I am such a tomboy still. One of my favorite stories is my sister-in-law brought nail polish to our wedding because she knew it wouldn't occur to me to go get a manicure beforehand. (laughs) And she was right. I didn't. And then I put it on. I was like, I don't like this. This isn't me. And I took it off. Um, But I mean, if I were a kid now, between the the school closures and all of this gender stuff, people would have been telling me, actually, the reason that you don't like nail polish and dresses is because you're a boy. I, at some point, I would have bought in on it because mm-hmm. all of these people in a position of authority are telling you that this deep discomfort that you're feeling in your body that is, you know, every prepubescent girl has, but then sort of compounded when you're a tomboy, all of this is because you're a boy, and I would totally would have bought into that. I hated girls. I still hate girls. I'm a total tomboy. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Well, Let's only, cut off the boobs. Not only that, but, but you, I mean, you would have been, depending on your parents, many parents are encouraging their kids to go on this journey right. so that they can yeah. jump onto Facebook and tell everybody that, that you know, Holly yeah. is now William. You know, there's... Yeah. Yeah. And, and I spoke to a therapist for my book and he said it's Munchausen, like straight up, you know, the number of kids in families where, you know, there's five, three kids and two of them, one of them is trans and one of them is whatever, like mm, the odds of you having a trans kid and a non-binary kid are not very high unless there's right. a, a sort of encouragement happening within your, your four walls. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, I mean, this can book, be subtle. obviously, yeah. Encouragement yeah, I mean, doesn't have to be isn't like for them. Mm-hmm. Right. So and that's tricky because, you know, 
you live in a blue area. Tom and I live in a blue area. And it's, you know, a lot of the people around us do like fully embrace this ideology and and this sort of worldview and want to bring it onto their kids. And, you know, so you find yourself kind of the odd man out if you want to even participate in like sports and other things that that you're kind of the last person. So, you know, we read books like yours and, and you know, see what you're doing on Twitter. And we love this stuff. But sometimes you feel like an island a little bit as a parent who's yeah. trying to avoid all this. Yeah. Yes. But you'd be surprised. Um, mm. And COVID was especially helpful in this way and sort of surprisingly. And, and you know, I'm not one to sort of talk about the, the good of COVID because uh, it was pretty bad but for us you know it's like the understatement of the year but for us I mean we it was very easy to identify our friends the folks who didn't marinate in the alarmism and the fear and um and who were you know in the beginning like we're gonna live our lives and we're not going to to let ourselves uh be sort of silenced and kept inside for two years and only let our kids play outside in masks. The community that we found of folks who were willing and happy and eager to find playmates for their children in a normal manner. It, I mean, that's our friend group now. And it was very easy to sort of self-select like, Oh, you're not wearing a mask at a public park, you know, 50 degrees. Yeah. And <laughs> you are clearly one of us. Uh, I had a funny experience. Um, I think it was like two days ago. I, at my house, um, I, I went to I went to film something with Ben Shapiro promoting my book, and um, they had the liberal mu- the liberal tears yes, tumbler yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. on the table, and I was like, I will just be taking that, and I yeah. slipped it into my suitcase, and I was unpacking my suitcase, and I put it on my my counter in my kitchen, and I had an electrician come over give me a quote on something. And he saw it on my counter and he's like, I like your tumbler. And I was like, Are you one of us? Wow, the secret nod. <laughs> wow. Wait, That's wait. Exactly. Part of the secret society. So I, I remember t- talking to you, Bethany. By the way, talking to Bethany Mandel. She is the author of Stolen Youth. Um, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation, written along with Carol Markowitz. I remember talking to you almost, I think it was two years ago, about these parents who were going just nuts over the COVID stuff, you know, coordinating their kids off in their yards with masks on, making them play across the street from other kids. And I thought it was actually inspiring that you said that you were kind of cutting those kids out of your kids' lives because you didn't want to be tethered in any way to insanity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and even with, you know, very close friends and family before we got together, I was like, I'm not, we're, we're, working very hard to protect our children from the fear about this stuff. And it's not easy, especially where we live. And I would like you to just sort of mind what you're saying around the kids. Um, But I mean, the number of play dates that folks wanted to arrange and they're like, okay, so these are our conditions. The children will wear masks. They will only play outside. If they want to come in to use the bathroom, we have to make sure no one is in the house. And then I have to go and follow them afterwards and spray down everything they've touched. And I was like, we are not interested in that play date. I love that. Yeah. They're like brokering an armistice or well, something. With yes. And it points seems, that you have to agree to. And it seems like so. And I know that this is a big sort of theme of the book. It seems so destructive to your own children's mental well-being to have that attitude. I remember one of our daughter's friends, moms, posted on Facebook during the pandemic when they started to bring more kids back into school at the same time. They did like an, um, you know, cohorts in our school district. And her daughter came home to her crying because there were more kids than usual on the bus, all masked with the windows open because she was afraid that she was going to kill her mom because there were more kids than usual on the bus coming home that day. Like that can't be healthy that you've like created this completely irrational fear in your children about this. Like and and I know that it seems like these issues seem disconnected, sort of this you know, gender ideology and wokeness and climate change and tie it in with the COVID. But it all does seem to be connected in how like this ideology affects children's mental health. 
Yes, absolutely. And and they they wanted to use children. And this was actually the original title of our book, Child Soldiers. But we didn't want people to think we were talking about like you know, children in Nigeria. So we <laughs> called it stolen youth instead. But I mean, they want children to behave as though they are child soldiers. Um, and they made them bear the brunt of all of the COVID stuff. Um, and they are turning children into child soldiers in the war on guns, the war on climate. And all that this ends up doing is destroying their mental health. And we see it in in the data. Kids' anxiety and depression is off the charts. And it's because they're being bombarded with the message that you can kill grandma, that the world is going to end, and you'll probably be shot in the head at school before that anyway. So whatever. And then surprise, surprise, children are growing up depressed. And it's like, yes, because you're throwing adults problems at them and their brains are not developed enough for them to realize that can i curse here sure yes it's all bullshit they're feeding them bullshit and i'm an adult and i can realize it's absolute garbage but kids are don't have those critical thinking skills um although i think there's a lot of kids over the course of the last three years who have really refined their bullshit radar (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah i know mine have you well, but, can't but, go through life being lied to like this and you know re- eventually you realize that none of the dire predictions come true i mean i think that happens to a lot of conservatives too like you notice that first it's global cooling then it's global warming and then it's climate change and then it, you know like that there's there's eventually you start to notice that like none of the stuff actually happens. So you, yeah, but yeah. but do you start to notice? Well, I mean, some the, people the, the, the do. Anyway, the most powerful woman in the in the uh, in Congress for the Democrats is Catherine Clark. You remember she talked our former about, school committee member. Right, she talked about how her kid. She knows what it's like to have a kid wake up in the middle of the night and be worried. Uh, about climate change and not be able to sleep and and uh, and when they they worry that when the theater goes silent that there's a shooter in the theater which doesn't even make sense to me like as if the shooter's going to request that the t- sound be turned off and then uh, and then of course she's got at least one kid who's trans that same kid right she's trans and whatever etc so the problem is that there are people reputable people credentialed people who are pushing pushing this crap Bethany so yeah this is fully in the canon of the establishment in this country. So how do you cast this off? Oh, you know, it's obviously overtly insane. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we, we wrote our book with two sort of paths in mind. We want to talk to individual parents about how to save your children from this insanity, but also sort of more generally in our culture. Mm. Um, but, you know, my kids, we would, we would talk about it all the time. Do you think this is rational? Do you think this makes sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, having these open, honest conversations with our kids sort of made them into critical thinkers. And now the unfortunate thing is I can't really lie to them as effectively either. I told one of my kids that if he didn't stop what he was doing, I was going to leave him at home and all of us would go on vacation without him. And all of my other children were like, that's not true. (laughs) It's not, we don't believe you. Um, so, you know, there are downsides to your children growing up to be critical, critical thinkers who question authority. Um, but I mean, a lot of the, and this is something else we talked about in the book, a lot of their battle plan is to make people into just absolute miserable shelves of themselves because you can't, what they're trying to do is revolutionize society and create a societal revolution in which, you know, nothing is true. Boys and girls from top to bottom, nothing, nothing no natural truth exists anymore. And you can't have that kind of revolutionary change with populace who are happy. Right. Like right. no one, no one will start a revolution. We're like, yeah, well, things are okay. I'm generally pretty happy. <laughs> well, and contrary but, to popular belief, we live in a society where things are actually pretty good. Like we're like the wealthiest, healthiest, most stable yeah. time in human history. So it's kind of like, it's hard to get people to, you and, know, foment revolutions. That's, that's the difference between conservatives and liberals in a nutshell. And there's there's a lot of sort of chatter recently about mental health between conservatives and liberals. Mm-hmm. And conservatives, adults and children are generally happier than than children. And it's kind of like this cog- cognitive behavioral therapy says you have to constantly be affirming good. You can't marinate in the bad. And conservatives are generally 
you know, we appreciate that we live in the best country in the world and the best time in the world. And, you know, we've clean water and clean air and uh, liberals have decided that marinating in victimhood is is the path to righteousness. And so, I mean, if you look at Harry, um, Prince Harry Mm -hmm. this past week, he did this whole like hour long Zoom special and he was uh, he was diagnosed quote marks with like PTSD and ADD and what all of these like different acronyms. And the reality is he's like one of the most privileged people in the world. Right. But now that he has all of these things that are wrong with him, now he can he can claim the mantle of victimhood. And that is that is the ultimate righteousness on the left. Um, but that's a really sad place to be in your day to day life. How, how much of that is is class? So, for instance, how much of that is. You you live in a beautiful, restored, mm-hmm. you know, two million dollar Victorian house. You've got Range Rovers, the Canada Goose jacket, or whatever. The, what's the new jacket that everybody has? The barber. The barber jacket. Right. You've got all the right things that sophisticated people have. Um, how much is this a, just a to to believe in all the 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 trans stuff? How much of it is a it just a societal accessory that the sophisticated set does that those icky people who go to like Dunkin' Donuts don't do? So I spoke to a mom in um, very, very rich San Francisco area for the book. And she said that a lot of the kids in her neighborhood, the richer and the more privileged you were, the more likely that you were to sort of put on the coat of victimhood, whether it be mental illness or gender confusion, whatever, because they were sort of able to um, get rid of their privilege. They were able to shed their privilege by putting on this victimhood coat in some manner. Um, and so, I mean, there's a huge correlation. People who actually grew up, you know, I did in a trailer park. I'm, I'm not super keen to like brag on that and to talk about it because I have overcome, happy to have overcome it. But people who have really overcome nothing and who have achieved nothing um, need something. And so they they've decided that, you know, this is my cross to bear and I'm just, I'm just here. And, and the sad part is they're not even like, you know, I'm here and I'm fighting to be, no, no, it's like, no, I'm here and I'm absolutely miserable. Oh, what a way to live. Yeah. I mean, right? even, the, even really the student loan crisis feels like it's a movement led by the same group of people who like mm-hmm. went to nice colleges, in some cases, nice graduate schools and are walking around like I'm a victim because I have all this debt and the government has to take it away from me. And like, that's the right. revolution that they feel most passionate about. And all this debt that they knowingly brought on themselves. Right. I mean, it's it's like it's, it really is a perfect microcosm of that movement and that, that group of people, because it's all victimhood that they've willingly taken on well then isn't that a prime example of suspending logic truth and science and and in just any kind of symmetry because they're not just wanting their debt to be expunged they want that guy to take care of it the guy who didn't right. get to go to college the guy who's paying who you know took extra jobs that they're not willing to do to try to pay off some who's of who's on debt. average poorer than they are well, right yes. i mean by that yes. logic isn't that the same thing as you know a plus B equals we need to remove a 15-year-old girl's healthy breasts. Isn't Aren't those the same kind of totally illogical, upside-down, hallucinogenic, LSD dream thing, like things that we have going on? And can we have a society when people seriously believe that that all makes sense? Um, no, we can't. I mean, this is sort of behind why there's a lot of folks who say we're, we're in for a national divorce. Um and, you know, I'm, I don't want to prognosticate something that serious, but I mean, I think there's something there. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's so interesting, too, because like you were talking about earlier, how difficult it was to get this published and how all these like really even conservative publishers, like the people at all the presidential candidates and everybody goes to to get their books published. Yeah. These publishers were balking at the idea of writing this book that, you know, struck so hard at the core of what this ideology is. And to me, it just really shows how much 
kind of and I I don't even like when people talk this way but like the establishment or like the elites how much they want like safe conservatives like we like conservatives we want to publish your books but just don't go outside these little lines be a nice conservative Mm -hmm. like Romney be a nice conservative like Larry Hogan that's the kind of conservatives who who can win things we'll publish their books they're good like can't you just be one of the nice conservatives that we can get along with yeah and it radicalizes the rest of us. Right. Because, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not a super MAGA hat, like whatever, but four years of of Trump from 2016 to 2020, I went from never Trump to like, I wrote a column about why I voted for him in 2020. And like, am I super enthusiastic about him in 2024? No. Am I going to vote for him in the primaries? No. But given the choice between him and Larry Hogan, even in the general... <laughs> I'm going to go with Trump again. Yeah, big announcement today, by the way, from Larry Hogan. I know. I hate him know. So. He's, he's not running for president. president. <laughs> I, I hate him so deeply. Well, I mean, I, I still posited that it could be him versus Trump, because mm. just because he's not running for the GOP nomination doesn't Interesting. mean... Oh, I, I, I hate him. I hate get him. such a test pattern in my mind when I think of Larry Hogan. I don't think that it, he just doesn't have it. Just... Well, but it, she's right that the like, so Marianne Williamson did announce that she is running on the Democrat side. And there are people that think even though. She... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. She doesn't have a chance that this could like open the floodgates on the Democrat side that, you know, it could tell people it's safe to get in. You can actually run against Biden and more people might jump into that race on that side. And, you know, we have a governor who's a little like Larry Hogan, too, where he's well, we like, did. Well, we did. Yeah. Sorry. He's been replaced now by an actual real progressive progressive but um you Same know here. he's um you know he he's considered like a good conservative like he's a conservative right. that's for everything liberals want so he can get elected in a blue state and he had some of the most restrictive covid policies in our area even though he's a quote unquote republican and we get told all the time like oh if only the national republican party could be a little more like charlie baker then you know things might be going better for the republican party right now and you know i I don't really get it. Like, I don't understand what those people are seeing in the National Party, because like you say, everyone else is so radicalized by all these viewpoints getting, you know, shut down and deleted and removed from polite discourse. You know, thank goodness for places like the Daily Wire that are willing to, you know, take a chance on things and be bold and publish things that other places aren't willing to. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's a reason why the top of the Republican ticket is Trump and DeSantis. Mm-hmm. And it's because they are like, we will fight. We are not yeah. interested in rolling over. And the third is Nikki Haley. And like, she showed a lot of fight at the UN also. And I think that's the base of a lot of her popularity, even though she's running sort of a very distant third right now. Um, people don't want Republicans who are nice and amiable, like, like Hogan. And like your governor, they want people who will fight because they know that they're going to be accused of putting the dog on top of the roof and, you know, having binders full of women, which, you know, 
was a good thing. <laughs> I know. I think that that Romney campaign, and I, I don't think the left realizes this, although I hear people on the right talk about this all the time. I think that, that Romney 2012 campaign and how he was treated by the media and the left really yeah. radicalized a lot of people. I know that it did yeah. me because I liked Romney and I thought he was great and I thought he was all the things that everybody's telling me they want in a Republican. And then, you know, they turn around and do that and you have Candy Crowley lie on behalf of Barack Obama right in the middle of a debate. I mean, it was just incredible to watch somebody who's a nice man and a good man just get absolutely destroyed by them for no reason. I think people underestimate how much that's why. And I know that's like overdone why we got Trump. But, you know, there's a reason why a lot of sort of regular Joe Republicans were willing to go out there on a limb for Trump. Yep. And it's because they wanted someone who was willing to fight at the end of the day. And, you know, the basis, and I've talked about this on your podcast, on the or on your radio show, rather, the basis of my, like, visceral hatred of Hogan was because he never opened his mouth about school closures in Maryland. Mm-hmm. We had the longest school closures in the country. Maryland opened dead last. And in Baltimore, test scores just came out. There are 23 schools in Baltimore where not a single student is performing proficiently in math on grade level. And an additional, in addition to those 23, there's another 20 schools where only one or two kids are performing on grade level in the entire grade. So, or in the entire school, sorry. So you have 43 schools where basically no one is proficient on grade level in math. And Larry Hogan, the the nicest thing you can say about Larry Hogan was that he had really high approval ratings, but Mm. like vanilla ice cream also has really high approval ratings. No one really likes it. No one really dislikes. Like, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. I guess. I don't know. But the reason why DeSantis rocketed to popularity was because he was like, nah, I'm going to fight. And he fought and he spoke up for kids. And Larry Hogan did that one time. He exercised his spine one time. And it was for private school kids in the richest county, which is my county. Mm. The county tried to keep the schools closed because they wanted they didn't want to give anyone an incentive to go private. And so they said, let's keep the, the private schools closed until literally the day after the kids get funding and then you can open because it, I mean, it was so transparently evil what they were doing in the public schools yes. and Hogan stepped up, which he should have. And he said, no, the private schools will open whenever they want because they are private, but he didn't say anything about the public school kids. And so yeah. they languished all of COVID and that total disinterest in children and that cowardice um, has set back an entire generation of Maryland children And he's never said sorry. He's never said, you know, given a a time machine, maybe I maybe I'd go back in time and really pressure all of these counties like he he had his voice, even if he didn't have legal ability to open these schools. He had a voice and he didn't use it. What good is the approval rating if you don't? spend a exactly. little political capital well right and that's what we get all of over connecticut is you know, they they close the schools they close the businesses and then they deign dare to say oh my goodness look what covid did to the schools and businesses mm-hmm. it's like you bastards destroyed yeah. a generation the mental health of a generation of kids and you're worried about uh, bethany mandel uh, having a, a theme of fighting as as something that's going to cause disruption in the country no they're provocations going unchecked and un uh you know they never have to pay a price for any of this stuff they're worried about you know problems in the streets well for god's sakes they're causing this they're pushing they're first of all they're unpersoning women altogether second of all they're destroying the kids and then they're saying hey don't you bethany don't you make any noise or else you're an insurrectionist it's like Well, right. And even like the talking point that you don't have kids in schools, it's not like they're nicer to people who do have kids in the schools. Tom's covered stories in Connecticut where a mom came to the school board with a complaint about a book that was actually literally read to her literal elementary school child in school by a teacher as part of the actual curriculum. And the school board told her she was a terrorist and a proud boy. So, I mean, like you know, I mean, the the father in Loudoun County who spoke up about mm -hmm. the girls bathrooms turned out his daughter was literally sexually assaulted and he i mean he where's his apology where does he go to sign up 
for his apology about being called a domestic terrorist for daring to object to the fact that his daughter was put in a position that led to her sexual assault. Well, not only that, his apology, there was no apology. They had him in handcuffs <laughs> on the ground, Bethany. I mean, this yeah. is where we're what we're doing now. This is absolutely, absolutely craziness. It's, I just, I, I just, and I hope that your book is a good outlet. And by the way, the book is uh, officially available Tuesday, but you can pre-order right now on Amazon. And I, I just, I, I got to say, I, I hope that considering that the other side has lost their minds on this stuff, where we sh- there should not be a debate about harming kids. And this, you know, mm-hmm. the, the- why are you so obsessed with culture war issues, Tom? <laughs> why are you so obsessed with trans kids <laughs> while they push it? Uh, yes, yes. But we yeah, have been made to care. Yeah, it's and, you know, it's always like when there's pushback, they always claim to be the victim of some kind of right wing thing that's happening. Yep. But, um, you know, I'm definitely going to be reading this book. I'm super excited about it. I'm recommending it to everybody. And, you know, I think even if Amazon takes it down, I know that the folks at the Daily Wire are going to make sure that there's a way to continue to get it into people's hands. So that's it's yeah. great that people are fighting back against this. She is Bethany. Yeah. The book is Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a generation she is uh, our friend she is a great writer and i can't wait to um to read this book i the only i do the only concern i have bethany is this you're ahead six four right on kids mm-hmm. um yes alice is, i'm gonna give you some an opportunity to catch up though i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> well my worry is this I, i've seen some of your house here and that looks way too clean for six kids this isn't no this isn't my house i'm at my oh. in-laws house oh, oh thank okay. god we feel oh. so much better now. oh my goodness okay, yeah go oh no no this is not my house no i'll send you pictures of my house oh, when please i get home do. please do I, it's my therapy <laughs> bethany mendel thank you so much it's always a pleasure thank you see you later bye-bye love her else me too. I love her. All right. So, um, I, I by the way, <laughs> she's so fun. She's just so fun. If, if those of you who are listening, you did, you wouldn't see one thing, but uh, Alice is very familiar with this move. Bethany Mendel went right from the um, our uh, interview to feeding the baby seamlessly, which is something once you've had a few kids, I assume that becomes uh, fairly second nature, Alice. Mm-hmm. But those days are over for you, right? Of course. Of course. Um, I would never dream. <laughs> um, but uh, once again, the Bethany's book is Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. Um, let's see. What should we get to next, Alice? What do we have in the docket before we do the chat chat? I don't think there's too much on the chat chat, as a matter of fact. Okay. Oh, when, when we get to um, the Patreon-only part of today's show, mm-hmm. I'm going to play the Chris Rock um, cut about okay. Will Smith. It is – you know what? Chris Rock laid low and played silent for a while. He absolutely massacred Will Smith. Have you heard this yet? Um, I heard a little of it when you oh, were playing it. Oh, it's... So we can we can do that in the Patreon only. I also had a couple of things I wanted to talk about in yes. Patreon that were interesting to me. But before we um, get totally off of these topics, um, we did talk a little about Larry Hogan with Bethany, which yep. is, I mean... Thank goodness he's not running for president, at least as a Republican. Like, the fewer of these jokers that are in there, the better. Chris Sununu was also saying that he thinks Ron DeSantis is going to win New Hampshire. And stuff. Oh, really? Oh, is that his so, way of saying he's not going to Well, win? people are suggesting that maybe. So, And there's a few people saying, because Larry Hogan did say, like, oh, there's too many people all getting, like, 1% or whatever, and, you know, there needs to be fewer of us to give somebody a chance to break through. I think Larry Hogan also doesn't want Ron DeSantis, but I do worry that if, like, too many of these people make announcements like this or say things like this at the same time, that it will look like the establishment is trying to make something happen. With Ron DeSantis, uh, uh, you know, well, like trying I mean, to, but, but, I trying mean, to like hurt can't Trump. Win for, by, can't win for yeah, losing, I mean, man. I mean, th- 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 I don't. I, I think that. I think that DeSantis, simply by the uh, the extra Beltway stuff he's done mm-hmm. in Florida, has proven that he's a trusted um, ex swamp member. I mean, certainly spent a lot of time in the swamp, but this guy is. Yeah, he's not. I don't think. I don't think. I, I, that's my least of my worries about DeSantis. My my worry yeah. is that you know that the left does what it does and don't say gay is now is is as mm-hmm. far as anybody on the left or in the middle is going to dig. 
and suburban moms are going to say, he says you can't say gay, and that's mean. He made it illegal to say gay in Florida. But, like, there are still people out here that, like, want the Larry Hogan's and stuff of the world that are, like, and they're, like, all losers. But the believe it or not, they actually had a gathering in Washington, D.C. this week, um, sort of uh, as a counterpoint to CPAC. Did you see any of this? I sent us some of this. This made me laugh. But um, I was seeing all these tweets about like principles first, principles first. So there's a summit, yep. the principles first oh, summit, preserving American institutions. And they're all like tweeting stuff about it. Like, here's Heath Mayo. If you want to hang with Steve Bannon, Seb Gorka, Carrie Lake and Marjorie Taylor Greene, go to CPAC. If you want to hang with former commanding generals and diplomatic leads to discuss Putin's war in Ukraine, come to the Principles First Summit. I didn't see him like on the list of speakers, but I saw Vindman was on there. They have Mark Hurtling. Oh, I hate Heath him. Mayo. Vindman, I can't stand faces that round. Who else do we got? It's, um, yeah, it sounds like a real blast. Who they have John. They have John Bolton. He's another one of these like, like Kinzinger type of people. I saw Kinzinger is there. Kinzinger? Kinzinger? I don't know. Amanda Carpenter of the Bulwark. Mona Tarrant of the Bulwark. Uh, Barbara Comstock. Let's see. Who else do we have? Um, oh, at least three Capitol Hill police officers from January 6th oh, in to come speak about awful, themselves. Stephanie awful. Grisham, Alyssa Farah Griffin, Larry Hogan's there, John Kasich's there, Sarah Isger from The Dispatch. John Kasich is there? Yeah. That's all you need to know. He's the biggest dickhead in politics. So. Um, Yeah, Megan McArdle. Let's see. Who else? Oh, um, of course. Um, John Kasich, who wouldn't Tom go to the, Nick- John Kasich wouldn't go to the RNC mm-hmm. when it was in Cleveland, even though he was a governor of the state. He sat on the other side of the river in, in exile like a bitch. Tom Nichols is there, obviously. Useless. So all the same people. Um, like Bill Crystal, half the bulwark is there. It's all the same people, but they're all tweeting stuff about it. Bill Crystal, looking forward to comparing notes and thoughts with many friends and allies at today's Principles First gathering in D.C. Um, and then... This dude was tweeting a bunch of pictures. Here's what a room full of principled Americans looks like. And it's all like, by the way, old white people sitting around and looking extremely bored, by the way. I would definitely... Happening now. Principles it- First Summit. Take that, CPAC. <laughs> I mean, CPAC is a clown show now at this point. I, I, I Almost all these... I would still go because it's fun. Right. Yeah. But almost all these things are, are just... I don't want to hear a panel of consultants and hacks and you know game show hosts go up there and and speak and double speak or, or I, I panels make me want to hurl make me want to vomit. I but can't. I think these ones are probably worse than the CPAC ones. Here's Alyssa Farah Griffin tweeting, tuning out the crazy that was CPAC. I spent the weekend at Principles First, and I'm energized that there are so many people like me who refuse to be associated with the fringe of the GOP, won't defend crazy, and who want to rebuild the GOP into a party that can win the popular vote. So that's what that group of people, including Larry Hogan, are all up to, hanging out together. They're, they're taking back the GOP. They're energized. So, Alice, we only have one chat chat message. Oh, no. Should we play it? Sure, go for it. All right, Phil, it's all you. Hey, guys. Thankfully, it's in two minutes, so we can cut it into, we can pretend it's six. Okay, good. Hey, Hey, uh, Tom, your Friday solo podcast uh, spurred uh, a conversation that Julie and I have been having off and on for a couple weeks since you uh, aired some of your uh, marital strife yes mm-hmm. on the- have you actually heard my friday i actually didn't okay. listen to it yet i mean i was uh, extremely under the weather our child brought home a stomach bug that yeah laid me ravaged up the house rather badly yeah it's been moving its way through the house burn barrel so having said that uh this may this may be none of our business yep but being married for 41 years and having gone through some major issue, issues such as infertility and alcoholism uh-huh Julie and I feel qualified to opine on the current burn barrel status as it relates to your recent airing of Good, yeah. marriage yes. difficulties. Anyone's really allowed to opine. A couple of weeks ago want. when you made your issues public, we were stunned. Mm-hmm. And it really threw us for a loop. In our opinion, this revelation affected the best part of the burn barrel. That is the dynamic between a married couple and at its basic core, 
the conversation and banter between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. So we suggest do not air what should be private. Keep it between Tom and Alice. We assume the core issues are financial stress, time management, and working on a healthy marriage relationship. Perhaps you should cut back on less important things and just be the best spouses and parents you guys can be. Anyway, that's our two cents. And if you feel we should go pound sand, that's okay. (laughs) We We get it. We're boomers. (laughs) What the hell do we know? So uh, bottom line, hope uh, Alice is feeling better. And we look forward to seeing both of you on tonight's podcast. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Phil. Talk to you later. So let me tell you, Phil, um, I, I certainly the spirit of too much information was certainly something a lot of people said. <clears throat> but in fact, we have not aired a, a whole bunch of things right? Um, that um, <clears throat> that would be very intriguing, I think, to, to, to people. So we air some stuff and, um, and we... And I, I don't regret anything. I don't regret I- anything from the past uh, month and a half. Any anything that I, I mean, obviously it was bad behavior, et cetera, and not healthy behavior, and all this. But um, I do consider this this podcast a repository for, um, at least on a personal level, you know, where my mind is, where issues are, where both personal and political, cultural, et cetera. And so. And so I want it to be something I always, when I was younger, I always thought I should have kept a diary just to understand where things went crazy as I was just a younger kid and a teen, whatever thing. Mm-hmm. Always should have. Well, I'm kind of doing that now. And this is what this is. So, no, there's a bunch of stuff that we haven't, <clears throat> that we haven't aired. Um, and, yeah, we have all of those, um, all of those issues as well. And we fight, we fought last night and then came to a nice, um, a nice uh, resolution mm-hmm. after it as well. So we do that. We're generally, Alice and I are generally fighters and apologizers. And- yeah. And honestly, one of the biggest positive things in our relationship is doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that like makes us come together and puts us in a good mood. Well, yes. And also, it's it's also... Yes, that's true. And we share and analyze and talk about... Like, we, we're lucky enough. We're... we're, we're lucky enough to that we talk about this kind of stuff all day Mm -hmm. you know so this is we're just lucky but as far as the like personal stuff no we're always going to be some you know um we're always going to be personal as well i I just i I was when i was alone i got uh, i got emotional a few times i don't know if if you you heard those way back when you know 650 episodes ago etc um but um but in in and I understand, like doing a, a a a straight news and analysis program, I think to a lot of people would would make at times things less tense for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm never in I'm never in anything to shock anybody. A couple times, like I, um, in the past, I've like challenged Alice to work a little blue, et cetera, and I've been surprised that she did it <laughs> on the air. I'm, she, she does shock me sometimes, um, um, but she just she doesn't. We, neither of us, we don't have whatever it is that makes it's supposed to make us think that, oh my goodness, we shouldn't have said this on the podcast. We don't really have, especially personal stuff. Like, for instance, when we first started dating, um, how do I say this, Alice? I don't know. Alice was a little bit, a tiny bit of, because she's much younger than me. Well, she's 14 years. She was a tiny bit of a rated pg-13 exhibitionist (laughs) and you can agree with that right i don't know so she sent me a picture of her like in scantily clad when we were first i don't know if it was that well it wasn't it was not it would be considered today very but for my generation you'd have like blown away but alice's like and her main consideration Ever when 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 going when working risque like that, uh, ever like even because I'm immature and I can't handle having a beautiful woman as my wife. Like there are times when I've snuck a picture of Alice here and there, not like in posted or, or anything, just for my own edification. And she and if she, she catches me and she goes through my phone, so she catches everything I do. 
her main consideration was whether she looks good. It was not. <laughs> she doesn't care that she's you know ill ill clad or anything like that. Whether she looks good. That's where like there's part of us who doesn't care about that personal stuff that maybe you're not comfortable sharing at all. But we are, and we we have fun with it a lot of times. The 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 dif the difference is the the thing a month ago or two months ago now I don't even know anymore I've lost all that stuff. That was a relationship a car wreck, and that was me stumbling out of the wreckage of the car, trying to do the show a couple of days where I just needed to be hospitalized, <laughs> <laughs> basically. So Phil, no, I appreciate it. You don't have to. You can. You don't have to t t um, pound sand. We appreciate you caring, and um, and being a part of the uh, Burn Barrel family. That seem right, else. That seems right. And you'd like to add? No, I think you hit everything. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Els, for being so lovely and beautiful. Ah, uh, thank you, honey. Um, we didn't mention, by the way, that that was the Chelsea Fire Wicked Hotline. Oh, chat, yes. Chat, chat. Um, and by the way. Oh boy, is this, this an unboxing video? It is. Our kids watch unboxing videos this is on from YouTube. My friends. This is um, we're about to do an unboxing. So. Have you ever heard of Travis Matthew Els? No. This is from a friend of ours, a listener to the Prayer Barrel. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Steve, are you really in Huntington Beach? Steve, you know, I used to live in Newport Beach. And these are some um, great clothes. Um, like I said, from... Um, hold on. Steve, hold on. I'll get the... Okay. Well, while you're doing that, I'll just mention that. Travis Chelsea Matthew. Fire Hot Sauce is a great hot sauce. Uh, you don't have to sacrifice heat for flavor. You can Travis buy it at Market Look at Basket. This great, these are golf clothes. Big Y, other places. Look at this great shirt. Travis that Tom's going to fit into now. Yes, I am. This will fit me right now. It's gorgeous. I'll show them. I'll wear them all on the thing anyway. Okay. So I'll show you. I'm sorry that my plugging was so bad. Travis Matthew. TravisMatthew.com, right? That work for you, Alice? It works for I'm me. Um, if you're on Patreon, stay there because we will go do our um, Patreon segment. Oh, this stuff is great. This. Alice, they have great the women's clothes, too. Okay. TravisMatthew.com. Get my payola in here, Alice. Okay. Just kidding. Okay. Are you ready for me to close this episode? I am ready. I am ready. Um, Like I said, if you want- You look good in the sunlight. Thanks, honey. You have great lips. Generally, else. don't like sunlight. I know you. Like a vampire. Yeah, <laughs> you made that clear. Um, All right, everybody, here we go. Um, so, like I was saying, you can stay there if you're on Patreon. If you like getting extra content and watching live streams, you can do that at our Patreon.com/slash Burn Barrel. But you can, of course, always find the show for free at uh, BurnBarrelPodcast.com. There's links to all different places to listen. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on Rumble Video. In case we get kicked off YouTube, and you can always find us on social media at Burn Barrel Pod on Twitter and uh, Facebook.com/slash Burn Barrel Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.